Thank you, Pastor Addis. Amen. Wow, I, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of Calvary. Uh, if you weren't here uh, and didn't get a chance to see what was going on, uh, you guys just, those who were here that served that night, you served Citrus County well, the families and the people that came here onto our property. Uh, uh, I, I, we, it was from an attendance standpoint, uh, just uh, crushed in terms of how many people. I mean, we, we anticipate anywhere from two to 3,000 people uh, that, that are going to be coming for the event. Uh, uh, it went way beyond that. We were thinking at least about 4,000 people that showed up on the property. Uh, we were out of parking. People were parking uh, down the streets, uh, Harley, I mean, everywhere. And in fact, I heard uh, that the traffic was backed all the way up to, uh, on Croft, all the way to 44 to 486 on this end for just people coming in. And so the Lord brought them and, uh, and, and you served them well. And uh, I, I'm so thankful. Uh, and not only just that, where, where they served well, but uh, one of the things that was just the highlight, we'd just been kind of a really... We haven't been out there pushing uh, Jesus or anything like that, preaching to them or whatever. It's just been blessing the families and, and the kids that have been coming. But God gave us an idea this year. Uh, uh, we, we had a hayride and, uh, for the kids and for the families. We had two tractors going, and they pulled kids and families around the property right here. And during that time, uh, uh, we were telling the story, a fun story, uh, uh, about the gospel and uh, and seeds were planted and uh, and were watered and i I just heard so many good reports of they they were just literally blown away so how many want to say thank you Lord to that amen so uh, uh, i know I know that god is 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 really going to do some things through that so uh Thank you so much. I, I just bless you. It's, it was such a fun night watching what God was doing. Well, this morning, I want to just take a few moments. Uh, the, the loudest and biggest sermon was probably the one that was already preached, and uh, that was those who were baptized a little while ago. Uh, this is one of my favorite things to be a part of is a baptismal service, and you heard the stories of what God is doing in lives, and uh, I want to just kind of talk to everyone here, just a a word of encouragement here today is about finding hope and healing in him. I want to take you to a a fascinating scripture that's found in the gospel of Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, and uh, says here that a large crowd followed him. There were a lot of crowds that followed Jesus. And it says, on this particular crowd that was following him, it says, he healed all of those who were ill. Not just a couple of them, but all of them. How many would have loved to have seen something like that? How many know that there was a big buzz happening at that moment? There was a lot of excitement, thankful hearts. But here's what happened. What, those who were getting healed... Those who were getting touched by the Lord, uh, 
Uh, he does something opposite maybe what we would naturally do. He told that crowd, the people that were getting healed, he says, don't tell anyone, others, about me, about what's going on. But he said, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. That was prophesied hundreds of years before Christ had come by the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah described how the Messiah, how the Savior would come into the world and deal with broken people, people that didn't really have hope in their lives. And this is how he would deal with them. He described people as bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. I want you to see a picture here. Is there anything more frail than a bruised or broken reed? That reed at one time stood tall by a riverbank amongst the other reeds. But now it's broken and bent over. I have a question for you here this morning. Is there anyone here today that is a bruised reed? Did you once stand tall? Did you once stand tall and confident, knowing that you had a future and a destiny? But then something happened. You were bruised. You were crushed by a harsh word, by a spouse's betrayal, maybe even being abandoned by a parent. I was reading a story about four children in China about a week ago. And uh, these four kids uh, had went through uh, a lot. And uh, the mother had uh, left the family. Uh, things were not going well between uh, the husband and the wife. And she just left the scene. And then the father uh, left, went to go ahead and find work. And the kids were from the ages when this happened between 13 and 5 years of age. And they were left to totally fend for themselves. Uh, all they had basically to live on was corn wheat and, and absolutely devastated. They didn't last long. Uh, family and friends knocked on the door, but they wouldn't let people in. Uh, uh, they weren't going to school. I mean, they were, they were just absolutely devastated. And the 15-year-old wrote this note, and they... They had made a suicide pact, and they drank pesticide, and they all four died a horrible death. And the oldest one wrote these words, Thank you for your kindness. I know you mean well for us, but we should go now. I made a vow I wouldn't live over the age of 15. I'm 14 now, and I dream of death, and yet that dream never comes true today. It must finally come true. There are people that are broken reeds where, where they see that life is a burden and ending life would be so much easier. There are people here who are broken reeds, damaged, and wondering if there's any hope. And then Jesus and this prophet uses this, this illustration that how the prophet will come in. It says, there will be a smoldering wick. 
I asked this question, is there anything closer to death than a smoldering wick? Once a hot flame, now smoldering with smoke. It's barely warm. But now the passion and life has went out. There's no fire. It's not cold, but it's far from hot. Do you remember when you were blazing with passion and with faith? And then came the cold wind, the harsh wind of reality, where you had dreams, you had passions. There were things that you wanted in life, just the basic things. I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. I I want a husband. I want a a wife. I want to get pregnant. I I want to have a family. In fact, I want to have a family at home, and and I just wish that my family would get along. Do you remember that dream that you had in your life where you really wanted to make a difference? Something God put in, in your life and, and, and you just felt this, this desire and this fire, fire come in. And now reality has set in and you are worn out. Is there any hope for the hurt and worn out? One of the things I love about this, the Bible, is there are a lot of stories about redemption and about hope about God touching lives. People who are without, without hope, people who are devastated, and Jesus coming along, touching the bruised, and coming to those who are worn out. And if you are here today, you have been crushed, and you were worn out. Jesus is a candidate in your life. And the Bible's full of people who are hurting and hopeless, people who are trapped and shackled and rejected and bruised and broken. And there's nowhere to turn. Desolate dreams and desperate prayers. And the only thing that you have in your hands basically is a broken hope and a, hope and a rope. But there's a man from Galilee who wants to step into your life. In fact, that's his specialty. He steps into lives where people have stepped out. His name is Jesus. And he brings the winds of mercy And healing to broken bodies, words for sad hearts, hopeless hearts, fulfilling the prophecy, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. One man said these words. Another great reason why I love Jesus. He doesn't judge the damaged life. He heals it. And if you are here today, you are broken and bruised. You are are a broken reed. Jesus does not come to judge you. He comes to heal you today. And we will be praying for you at the end of the service. And I ask this question, when you look at this, at the Bible, and if you've never read this before, you will see tons of story of redemption. Jesus touching lives. And there's a question I began to ask myself, is why are there all these stories here, especially in the gospel where Jesus is touching people? One story after another. Why, why, is it, why are there so many stories? Is it there just so we, that we can be amazed? That, that's cool. Is it there so we could maybe just be grateful for the past? Absolutely not. I want you to see something. When you read the Bible, and if you've never read it before, I so encourage you because the Bible is God's word for you and for me. The purpose of the stories of redemption is not to tell us what Jesus did. The purpose of the stories, I want you to write this down here, is to tell you what Jesus does and what he does till this day. 
Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Talking about us right here in 2015. The scriptures give us patience and encouragement so that we can have hope. One of the reasons for the Bible, and all these stories are in there. The Bible says these are written so that you and I could be encouraged. We could be taught. And we could find hope in the midst of crisis and in the midst of pain. These are not just Sunday school lessons, folks. These are not fables. These are real. These are stories of where God spoke to people. They're not romantic fables. These are historic moments where God meets people in real pain, where they can answer the questions, where is God when I hurt? How does God react to to crushed hopes? And there are people here today. I encourage you to read the story of Martha and Lazarus. Her brother had died. She's crushed, doesn't understand what's going on. And Jesus says these five words to her. I am the resurrection and raises him up. How does he react to those who are sick and ill? To a man that was by a pool there in Bethsaida. He says, get up and pick up your mat and walk. How does he help the people who are confused by life's events? Read the Emmaus story of two men who were broken and confused. When Jesus said here in Luke 24, 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And especially what was God's word to those who have been shamed. God's word to those who have been caught into the act of adultery. A lady who was brought before Jesus. And there she is, there on her knees. And, and, and what are you going to do with her, Jesus? And Jesus said to, to, the, to the crowd, the one who was without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And they all began to drop the rocks. And this lady that was filled with shame, and he says, women, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, here's the word I want to just share with you here this morning. When you read the stories in the Bible, it was not just for them. It was for all of us here in this room. Those stories were written for you and I so that we could have hope and we could have freedom and we could have healing in our life. And I want to tell you what really gives me hope. There's two scriptures, and I want to encourage you. They're going to be here on the screen. These are what I call the anchor verses for hope in my life personally and for everyone else that I counsel and I pray with. One is found here in the book of Romans, in the book of Hebrews, excuse me. But before I get there, I want to read to you, first of all, write down this word hope. I want you to see the definition of this. We were kind of going through this the other day. And uh, there's a young man here in our staff by the name of Otis Barnett. And, uh, and uh, he said this. I heard this and I said, man, that is so good. I wrote it down. Hope is the joyful expectation of good coming your way. Hope is the joyful expectation of good coming your way. Do you have that in your life? Well, God wants you to have that if you don't. And here it is. This, this one so encourages me. Here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible declares that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Some of you may come from backgrounds to, to, to where maybe you heard the story that once the apostles died and, and Jesus had left the earth, that miracles, signs, and wonders, they left. That, that God doing the, the acts of supernatural miracles and healings is no longer for today. But the Bible is very clear. Jesus Christ, the way he walked and the way he talked and the way he ministered to people in yesteryears, he still does the same today and he will continue to do it forever. Does anybody want to say amen? That's the scriptures. That's a promise from God's word. That is an anchor for hope that you can hold on to. The second one is found in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It was a miracle that happened. The Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles. These were the non-Jews. These were the people that God had forgotten about according to the Jew, and they were hated by the Jews. And the Holy Spirit's poured out, and Peter began to speak I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. People lose hope because they figure they're not good enough for God. I'm not holy enough for God. I don't really do, I'm not that righteous. I don't really go after God that much and he's not going to do anything for me. And I would tell you, uh, God is not just looking at the religious people to go ahead and touch their lives. God is willing to touch anyone who will come to him. God is no respecter of persons. There are no favorites with him. He has touched millions of lives. To those who weren't even walking in his family, to those who haven't even been adopted into his family. But we position ourselves to be blessed by God. When we make a decision, when we say, God, I need you, Lord. I need forgiveness. One thing that we all have here in common, we're, we are all at one time or another a broken reed. All of us. All of us. We're all, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So once you and I committed one sin, from a spiritual standpoint, we became broken reeds, bent over. And we all need a Savior. And if you are here today, and, and, and you find yourself wondering, can God forgive me? I want to tell you, yes, you can be forgiven. It all happens through the cross and what Jesus did for you. He poured out his, his blood for your sins. There is nothing that you can do in and of, your sin, of yourself to get rid of your sin. But once you make the confession and you realize, I am a sinner and I do need a Savior, and I put my faith in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he rose again from the grave. And when you put your faith in Jesus to, for him to be your Savior, your Lord, and you say, Lord, I surrender. And that's what, what, what today was about. These were, these were people that said, yes to Jesus. I surrender. Going down, that was symbolic that I'm, I'm dying to myself, and I'm coming up a new person In Jesus Christ, I declare to you today, there is no favoritism with God. He sees all of his kids. He recognizes that there are kids that are away from him. He wants you to be in his family. He wants you to humble yourself here today. The question is, will you do that? And when you do that, you do position yourself to be blessed by him, to receive a miracle, a healing, to be touched by his hand.
Let's pray here this morning.